Hey y'all, my name is Amina and this is Mina's Mic. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Your presence is very much appreciated. On this podcast, I will discuss everything surrounding society and culture from my perspective as a young black woman. One of the biggest realizations that I've had on my journey of consciousness is that it's all connected, as in the earth, the universe, and most importantly, the people or the collective. And if you haven't noticed, there have been some astronomical changes taking place, things that we are all experiencing simultaneously. The collective is finally breaking away from the shackles of the society that we once knew. Now in this season, it's all a collective, we gonna get into it, so grab a cup and join a conversation, cause I'm about to spill the tea. Welcome or welcome back. I hope y'all are doing well. Um, I told you guys on the Instagram page that the next episode would be mental health, and it was. Um, I recorded it through Green Room, and it went so well. Thanks to all of y'all that came in and spoke. Special thanks to my guests. Um, I met some new people. We had a great time and opened up about our mental and emotional states. However, Green Room has yet to send me my recording. So um, when I do receive it, if I do receive it, I will post it for you guys. But for now, we're just going to keep going and keep pushing because everything happens for a reason. So I'm not too you know, worried about it. Um, another disclaimer is that the last episode sounded a little choppy, so my apologies. I was pressing the mute button to make sure that, um, y'all didn't hear my background noise and ended up putting myself on mute, um, in the middle of my sentences. The app itself is also made, you know, some parts sound a little bit more loud than others, so bear with me, y'all. Um, I'm new to this, but I'm going to be true to this. Um, nonetheless, today we have some more guest speakers, from the Black Lives Matter Youth Council, we got Kenya, who is such an amazing person. She is so passionate about advocacy and isn't afraid to be blunt and tell her how it is. We also have Mari, who is so sweet. There's no one in the organization that doesn't love her. Um, and now we have Jen, and she's also a poet, and she's also so sweet. So, yeah, today's going to be great. Um, some more members might join later on. But for now, um, I'm done talking, so let's get into it. Um, how y'all feeling? How y'all doing? Hey, hey, hey. I'm, I'm feeling blessed. I'm excited to see how it goes. Hopefully the recording will actually, you know, record this time, but I'm excited to be here. And Same. I'm excited to be here. I just want to thank you, Amina, for giving us this platform and allowing us to speak freely on these issues, but I'm definitely ready to get into this. So very excited. Hi, yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Amina, for having us and making space for us. Um, I love your podcast, and I can't wait um, to start the discussion. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, so that's great to hear from everyone. Um, So today we're going to be talking about disconnected people being disconnected from reality. So to our listeners, y'all might be confused about exactly what we mean by that. So let me explain. Um. To be disconnected from reality means that in some way, shape, or form, your own personal perception of life, of yourself, or of society has manifested itself into your physical reality, thus causing you to be stuck in an illusion that your subconscious has created. Um, And that was a lot, but we'll get more into that later on. But to my guest speakers, has there ever been a time in your life when you felt like you um, kept reliving the same day over and over again? Anyone could go. Yeah, I can. I can kind of pitch it off. I definitely think um, last year with COVID and quarantine, 
you know, being at home with the same people, seeing the same walls, doing the same thing routinely, especially with school, I definitely, definitely felt like life was just on a loop and on a cycle. And it was like, I couldn't break out of it. It was like one of those movies where a character wakes up and they relive the same day each and every single day. And that's how it felt for me. But, um, I think it, I think being disconnected from reality comes in different forms, especially, you know, um, when you're living in a community or are in an environment where people around you don't necessarily hear you, feel you, or see you, that, um, also I think can add on to the disconnect from reality, even though it kind of is, um, like a psychological issue and it, it, it's diagnosed, I think like in other forms and shapes and ways you can be disconnected. I agree. Um, can you want to go next? Yeah. Um, especially with the COVID and the quarantine. Um, I remember when I thought I was just getting a two week break and I was really hyped. I was like, yes, two weeks, no school. And then every day just started repeating itself. It was like a numbing feeling, like waking up, having the same routine, being afraid of COVID because we didn't really know as much as we knew now. And like the state of panic that everybody was in. It was like I was in a horror movie, just constantly in fear in my room, not being able to be close to your loved ones. It was devastating. And it kind of made me feel like I wasn't living to live. I was just trying to make it through like most of my memories from early on in quarantine I can't remember because it's so blurred it was just the same routine every single day mm-hmm. um Jen you could go next yeah so heavy on that Kenya um I remember like my one of my writing teachers um one of the assignments was like to record vlogs for like every day of quarantine or almost every day um, because once again, like we thought everything was temporary. We thought it was only for two weeks. Um, and then I carded, I like first started recording and like, you can tell like from the videos as each day, like progressed and like more time kept going, like how robotic and how depressing everything got. And I feel like during that time period, we kind of all like just lost like literally lost and so like with reality like we weren't going outside we couldn't like go to school do anything and I feel like for me personally like personally um not having a routine like really did a lot of damage um both physically and like mentally like you know I was so um I was like one of those kids in high school who was so used to always volunteering always going um, to other places, always going outside. So when I didn't have those extracurriculars, it was like, what do I do now with my free time? And it was a lot. It was like really hopeless at times because you couldn't really do much. Um, but yeah. Yes, definitely. I relate to what all of you said. Um, and I definitely, when I thought of this, I definitely did, you know, reflect on the beginning of quarantine or even the entirety of quarantine. Sometimes, you know, even now, um, but yeah, long story short, you know, the frustration from being at home turned into boredom and boredom turned to confusion, confusion turned numb, like Kenya was saying. And then from there, um, I just started staying up all night, sleeping all day, only leaving my room to use the bathroom and eat if I felt like doing that. Um, 
I would probably do some homework and then I would just go right back to sleep. And, you know, nothing felt exactly real. I literally felt like I kept living the same day on repeat, like you see in the movies, like Mario was saying. Um, I literally have the same thoughts every day. And people always say that 90% of your thoughts are on repeat from the ones that you had from the day before. So just imagine that being like, damn, did I really sleep all day? What time is it? Why am I still here? Why are all these people dying? When are things going to be normal again? What is normal? Was I living a lie? How is America this messed up? I need to be productive, but I'm also tired. I felt, you know, conflicted um, with the most, with, and with almost an instinctive subconscious need to be productive, but the physical inability and conscious unwillingness or even hopelessness of actually being able to do anything. So, you know, what does all of this mean exactly? And to be honest, I couldn't exactly articulate it, you know, the way that I wanted to. But then I saw this TikTok on my For You page today and it, you know, explained it perfectly. So the TikTok um, was the first part of this guy's series where he provides movie clips of the, that quote unquote, um, tell us the truth. So his at is A-Y-E-E-E dot B-M-A-S-E. So definitely go follow him and watch the video for yourself. But anyways, the clip of this particular movie was from um, a movie titled My Dinner with Andre from 1981. And it said, is it just because people are lazy today or they're bored? I mean, we just like, are we just like bored, spoiled children who have just been lying in the bathtub all day, just playing with their plastic ducks, and now they're just thinking, what can I do? Then the other character from the clip responds, okay, yes, we are bored. We are all bored now, but has it ever occurred to you that the process to create this boredom that we see in the world now may very well be self-perpetuating unconscious form of brainwashing created by a world totalitarian government based on money and that all of this is much more dangerous than one thinks and it's not just a question of individual survival but that somebody who's bored is asleep and that somebody who's asleep will not say no so before we dive into those theories i want to make it clear that these are in fact theories however everything that I include in this season, whether it be scientific fact, educated opinions, or insightful theories about consciousness is all valid, and it is what I believe to be a stepping stone towards um, collective freedom. So with all of that out of the way, a totalitarian government is one that controls all aspects of society. There is no individualism in a totalitarian state. Everybody, both physical bodies and you know, bodies as in systems is controlled by some higher power. One book that it, um, is a great example of this is called The Handmaid's Tale. I had to read it for class last year. So while I was reading it, I hated it, but it was very insightful. So you should read it if you want to learn more about totalitarianism. But anyways, um, that's what the guy was referring to when he said totalitarian government. Um, he also mentioned that this is a quote unquote government or system of power and that is based on money. So now we, we're getting somewhere. Like, does that sound familiar familiar to y'all? Like capitalism, you know? So now um, he also said that boredom itself is much more dangerous than we think because when you're bored, you're not completely aware of the environment around you. And so how can you reject or refuse to submit to something as in a law, a belief, or even just a way of life if you cannot physically or psychologically see that that thing is there? So in other words, boredom itself is a mental loop with the subconscious mind um, 
has created and it prevents you from being consciously aware. And if you've ever experienced um, what we explained before about being bored, waking up and reliving the same day, feeling like a spoiled little kid who can't do anything but just sit there, then you were or are in fact disconnected from yourself or from what we believe to be reality. So with all that being said, guest speakers, what do y'all think? It kind of reminds me of like how everybody got on TikTok. And I like to put it under the term of like COVID culture. Like before there were millions of masks out, there were millions of videos teaching you how to make your own mask, how to, you know, make old masks from t-shirts. And it's kind of like, especially with the theory part of this, it's kind of shocking because now that I'm thinking back on it, I remember seeing TikToks of people just being like, doesn't outside seem super weird? Doesn't this stuff seem like repetitive? Like people were starting to dig into things more now that they've had more time on their hands. They were starting to like, figuratively speaking, they started to peek through the veil. Mm-hmm. Starting to dig more and read on things like more of the food that they're eating, the medicines that are going into their body. And I remember this whole like, kind of like conspiracy theory takeover on TikTok that was going on because people were starting to quote unquote wake up and they were starting to see that some of the patterns that are being repeated could be or might not be intentional so I definitely think that um during this time during COVID a lot happened people started to shift on their own like they started to yeah, it gave you a, right, Zelly. It gave you a routine at the same time, but broke a routine. And now people right. have more time to learn about social injustice and stuff like that. And um, it was just a really weird time. But even myself, like I got into things that I didn't even think that I would get into before having that much time on my hands. And I think it's cool that you know, once you really give yourself time to ground and figure things out, you'll be surprised with what you learn. Right. So, Jen? Yeah, um, a lot of what Kenya saying with, um, was saying, I definitely agree with. I think that COVID brought a lot of, like, time to heal um, because we were so isolated, because we had so much free time on our hands with ourselves. Like, um, before COVID, well, from, like, from personal experience, I didn't really have time. I didn't really have had time to think. I didn't have time to process what I was like doing. Like some um, things, my routine came like robotically. Like I was doing things um, automatically. I was on autopilot. And, you know, when you have that time to reflect and sit down, it's really like, am I really, am I doing this because I want to, or am I doing this because I have to? Um, and I think with a lot of students too, we kind of lose the, we kind of like forget that school and reality, like, you know, and a lot of things that we're doing, such as like work, um, it's all related to capitalism. It's all related to like labor. It's all related to like being mentally tired. Um, and that's something that if it wasn't for um, quarantine and COVID, I wouldn't have find out. Like I also saw a TikTok um, this morning and it was like, you know, with the new um, Delta variant and like 
um, potentially being going back to quarantine and isolation, it kind of brings you to the point that, you know, in reality, we don't have to work. Like, we don't have to save only um, our true lives for, like, the weekend. We don't only have to do the things we like on the weekend. Um, and people were saying how, like, that's definitely true because COVID has taught us a lot. Um, and we don't have to, like, keep ourselves on the on this, like, endless loop. Um, but, yeah, Mari, do you want to add anything? Yeah, like we're talking about endless loops of boredom, but we should also be talking about that endless loop of overproductivity because as detrimental as boredom can be, overproductivity is just as harmful, I believe, because when we're overworking ourselves or not even working at all to the point where we're simply just existing and trying to get by, I feel like that is a distraction, you know, for us to really delve, you know, delve deep into the larger issue. And a lot of us just do things, but we forget to question why are we doing these things? Why are we working nine to five? Why are we um, going to school for this amount of time? Why do we want to go to college and pay that much? Um, And I feel like as COVID, yes, it gave us time to think. I feel like COVID was very um, harmful, you know, on different scales for many people. You know, in the beginning of COVID, I you know, I was chilling, you know, I was something, it was something to get used to, but when September, October, and November, when that winter hit, that was probably the hardest time for me, and I was just on autopilot, because I was just doing whatever I had to do just to get by, just to scrape by, and um, there was, life just seemed so dull, it was very repetitive, and that cycle kind of sucked the life out of um, um, the purpose, and I feel like a lot of us felt that way, and also around that time I was reading the book Fahrenheit 451 and it was talking about um something similar that we're talking about right now about a world where books were not being allowed um and people could not read and you would you know basically um be taken away by the government if you were found reading and it was this fire um firefighter who whose job was to burn books and um he would see people who read books as different or outliers. And I think that when he really began to question why, that's when he began to understand that it wasn't those people reading the books that were wrong. It was the people that were, you know, at the top telling him um, that reading those books were wrong. It's when he started to ask those questions that needed to be asked instead of just working on autopilot and then, and, and then, um, just doing whatever needs to be done without second-guessing authority or second-guessing um, demands or, or, or without questioning authority. And I feel like, obviously, there is a hierarchy, but we should always have questions. We should always be curious instead of just um, going going by whatever they say. Um, we should never just take it and run with it. We need to, you know, assess the situation and assess our environment and assess our circumstances Um because what might work for other people or, or, or what might um, help other people succeed may be detrimental for us or at our expense. So especially as people of color and especially as people from um, either first immigrant families, first gen, um, I think it's really important for us to kind of use those magnifying glasses and read in between the lines that were um, not made for us to read in between. You know what I'm 
Yeah, I completely agree with everything that you said. And, you know, like you mentioned in the beginning, there are definitely different forms of being disconnected from reality. So or just even detached from yourself or from the real world. For instance, if you think that America is really a free country, you're disconnected from reality. If you think that police officers are the superheroes of society, you are disconnected from reality. Um, but yeah, definitely COVID really did put us in that mental loop. It made us bored. It made us numb. Um, even some might say that it made us depressed. It was the inability to be productive and also at the same time, the constant need to be productive that, you know, over productivity, like you were mentioning before, um, speaking on, you know, nurses, about doctors they were always constantly working and they never had a time to breathe and for us we never got a time to actually go out and do something and so both of those instances both of those extremes were literally detrimental to our mental and emotional states and but like you know going back to what I said before if you think America is a free country you're disconnected from reality you're asleep you're not awake so even with that being said, even with, you know, the mental loop that we went through, even with, you know, the depression that me, that we may have experienced, Corona allowed us to really sit back and analyze the world around us. It allowed, yes, we felt like we were asleep, but I think that what was truly happening was that we were being, we were wake, finally waking up and being awakened. And, you know, that process was obviously tiring because you're taking in all this new information and you really don't know what to believe anymore. You don't know what's real. You don't know what's not real. But the token of it all is that now we are here and now we're talking about it. And now we're really analyzing what we went through to see how far we've come and how much further we could go, what we learned from that experience, what we can still learn from this. So, you know, this you know, I'm kind of happy that this episode is going to be posted next instead of Mental Health because this really does reflect on the quarantine aspect of, you know, Corona and even just, you know, everyday life with just, you know, being at home and just being bored or even going to school and still being bored because this is not the way that I feel life was supposed to be. Um but again, this is the reality that people, that the collective has manifested for itself. But this is that same reality that we created is the same reality that we need to break away from because this totalitarian state, this higher power that controls all aspects of our society, that controls our subconscious, that controls our conscious, that controls our flesh is money. It is capitalism. It is the this invisible belief but not even invisible anymore because like i said we made it real we made this so deeply embedded into our society that now that capitalism is collapsing all other aspects of our life is also collapsing and yes we're gonna have an episode that strictly talks about capitalism but you know for now what are some other ways that you feel people are disconnected from you know the real world real world or from reality Um, I would just like to say, before we like jump into that, this pandemic exposed capitalist America for what it really was. Like, I remember seeing all these and let's really talk about it because I remember seeing these posts of celebrities treating the pandemic as like this big party, like, great, I get a 
I get a break from doing nothing but sending out money all day. Oh, masks and PPE supplies are accessible to me because I have so much money while in the same breath. There are kids who used to depend on those three meals a day at school and not being able to get them anymore. While there are parents who are being pushed out of their homes with their kids because they have no way of income because of this pandemic. And like, you really saw where America's priorities lied during this pandemic. It wasn't with the people suffering, not knowing how they're going to get money, how they're going to feed their kids, how they're going to be able to keep their homes. You had to beg your government, your like your um representatives for money to be able to sustain yourself while you're in a pandemic, while you might have, you know, family members dying from this virus. And it was it was devastating. Like it really woke me up on the inside and it made me upset because I really got to see how blind I was to everything. You know, they don't teach you about this in school. Nobody really talks about it because to be quite honest, not a lot of people know and not a lot of people are willing to understand. And now you have this group of people who are disconnected from reality and they their lives are great. They're having fun. They think they're this is just a break for them. While the working class is suffering, we don't know what to do yet. We go on our phones to try to, you know, I guess relax ourselves, but we're hit with this select group of people who are having the times of our lives where we're dying. And it was really a dis- disconnect from reality and honestly, I felt like I had nowhere to go. There was suffering everywhere I turned. Like, I don't know anything about the percentage the percentage of homelessness going up, but I guarantee you it probably did. And at an alarming rate, I, I promise that it did. Like, I remember um, in LA, there's the thing called Skid Row. And I remember seeing things where the homeless population was just going up and up and up. And no one was doing anything yet. You have these celebrities, these people with large amounts of wealth preaching to the working class and to people who don't have that much money that, oh, we need to do this and we need to do that. It was very like, um, how, how am I supposed to help those in the same circumstance that I am in? You know, like it right. really, mm-hmm. it really created, it really showed me what right. this country is about and I'll never forget. And I and I and I want to just add on to that. It usually is the poor helping out the poor because the poor really know what's it about. The working class helping out other people in need because we know what it's about. And um, just to add on to that, as a way of like them being disconnected from reality, that one percent um, of America that live in lavish twenty four seven that come from old money that that have trust funds that know what that type of life is about, they don't know what the real world is like for us. They don't know what our reality is. They don't know how our daily lives are. So their their fantasy is not reality. And I feel like the fact that they, they are able to afford all of these things while there's kids starving, while there's kids not able to get a, a good education or a roof over their heads, I think that that's a larger issue within capitalism and within the imbalance in our country and I think that our communities are targeted 
the most. And like you said, with homelessness, like we shouldn't criminalize homelessness. We should, instead of um, um, targeting people who are homeless, we should target poverty. Why is poverty? Why is poverty here? A lot of people are homeless, suffer from addiction. Um, the crime rates are going up. All of that is a is a stemming issue from poverty. It stems from poverty, but we want to look down upon it. By but we want to shame people about it. And I think that is really, really vital for us to recognize the larger issue. Why is poverty even there when there's people living in lavish, when there's people not working, but that's the 1% while the rest of us, you know, are, are really just trying to, you know, make ends meet and reach ends meet paycheck to paycheck or doing whatever we got to do just to make it by. And I think that is really important to acknowledge um, the injustices within that. Um, and yeah, that's, that's basically my. If I could just add quickly that, and you could see people starting to understand their role in capitalism like i remember seeing people like oh i just work an 80 hour shift like an 80 hour week and i cannot sustain myself yet i put in blood sweat and tears and i'm on the front lines and i'm getting no type of support and i'm like this is what it's all about you shouldn't have to work 80 hour weeks of hard labor for you to get the bare necessities Mm -hmm. and like i remember people talking about well how is the covid vaccine free and insulin is not free and medications that people need to survive are not free and i'm like yes you should be getting angry about these things like yes these things should be accessible to you because without them you will die you shouldn't have to pay three hundred dollars and two hundred fifty dollars for insulin when without it you would die You know what I'm saying? Like, it just, you started to see people coming to terms with how they're being treated in this capitalist society. And it was like earth shattering because even it's like culture shock. Like you, when you live a certain type of way, you become accustomed to it. And (laughs) when somebody throws you some information that shocks your world, you don't know what to think. You're in a state of panic. You're in a state of shock. Not everybody's running around like headless chickens. They don't know what to do. It was a very dark time. Right. Uh, Alicia, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to add with Miriam's point about like the 1% and it's very much a disconnect, but it's also the privilege. They're privileged enough to disconnect themselves. You know, they have the privilege to go home and live their lavish lives because they can they can at the end of the day fix these problems like we know like people like jeff bezos like he has the money to like end homelessness and end poverty and he quite literally will not obviously because to be at the top one percent it's not even you have to be greedy they're dumb for it exactly it's not even just that they're dumb they know exactly what they're doing they know exactly what they do when they overwork these people they know exactly what they do when they union bus and they shut down these unions of black farmers and black workers for their industries and they take them and they don't even like care about their well-being and i really was like so like i was like like snapping as kenya was talking about the working 80 hours a week because some people like and in order for them to get by, they have to literally glamorize that. Glamorize working 60 to 80 hours a week because they have no choice. That's the only way that they will ever get food on the table. That's the only way that they will get by. Meanwhile, these capitalists and the top 1% will literally be glad that they're doing that. Because it, for them, it's like they're winning. It's like they see you as like 
something to tokenize and say like oh well they're doing it so like we should all be doing like no it's not normal to work 80 hours a week and like die at 50 of heart heartache and it's not normal to like give the u.s a free covid vaccine and then charge countries like india an obscene amount of money to the point that people are dying and the u.s does not care these systems that were created along with capitalism and imperialism they were always designed this way they made it that way and they made it to kill people because at the end of the day, these capitalists will always have the privilege to disconnect themselves from everything that happens in our world. Because that's not their world. It's just, we're living this and they get to see it. Right. And, you know, to tie all of that together, is it true that we are disconnected from reality or are we just disconnecting ourselves from the reality or the illusion that they painted as reality? So like you all were saying, um, you know, capitalism tells us we need to always be productive. Like Mari saying in the chat, it glamorizes um, overproductivity. You know, like Kenya was saying, hustle culture. We're told that, you know, struggle is just the way of life, that, you know, hustling is just what you need to do to survive. But the truth is that people like Jeff Bezos, people within that 1%, they are not breaking their backs to survive. They're not breaking their backs to live, you know, a peaceful, luxurious life. We are doing the work for them. So with Corona, with, you know, being disconnected from their reality, with being bored, we really spent the time to really reflect on these institutions to really reflect on society to reflect on the totalitarian aspects of capitalism and we separated ourselves from the illusion from the mental shackles from the subconscious beliefs that they so strongly inflicted on us as children that it was so hard to break out of so you know for all of you that are here, I want to commend you on unlearning all of that. You know how hard that was, and that is why we were all stuck at that time. That is why we were all, you know, confused and not able to really decipher what's true and what's not is because we were unlearning. We were breaking through the veil, like Kenya was saying. Um, but yeah, Jen, you could go next. Right. <clears throat> um, a lot of... <laughs> what you guys are saying I definitely like 100% agree with and I also wanted to touch a little bit upon like social media and how literally we're disconnecting from reality because a lot of us are living through our phone screens are living through um, social media apps like Instagram TikTok and we're seeing you know hustle culture being glamorized we're seeing workaholics and we're seeing like people um, base their worth on product um, on productivity and that's not okay um especially like as a student um you're basically working nonstop, going to classes or also like if you have a part-time job full-time job and you let that determine your worth and I feel like that's a really really toxic behavior and like um Alicia and Kenya were saying like that's a, all a product of capitalism and at the end of the day those people who are rich those people like Jeff Bezos they don't have to work you're doing the work for them and then um your co-workers are getting mad at you when you want to be lazy quote-unquote be lazy or not work or ask for more like or ask for a raise or ask for more benefits and like overall in America like as an institution like, you know, um, kind of going on a rampage, but like the American dream, like that was just made so that immigrants could like labor their ass off until like they could no longer continue. And then some of them who 
um, unquote, quote unquote, made it made it out. Like, you know, they um, portrayed like this American dream that, you know, if you work hard, you'll get somewhere. But honestly, like, that's not true. You can work. Um, I was reading this up on um, online the other day. You can work more than, I don't know, 40 hours a week or whatever um, and still not be able to afford anywhere like a two bedroom apartment in America. And that's not OK. Um so, yeah, it just goes to show how, like, you know, working class, like, the working class never gets any rights. And, you know, we're not, not only as Jeff Bezos and, like, capitalists our enemy, it's also ourselves. It's also our coworkers who are demeaning us and telling us, oh, if you don't get anywhere, it's because you don't work hard enough. It's because you don't do enough. Right. And um, Jonathan, you're in the chat saying that we shouldn't allow race to the cause a divide within the workplace but i think that in fact you are disconnected from reality because you fail to realize that race is most definitely a part of the real world is most definitely a real thing it is what um causes black people to be criminalized it is what causes you know black people people of color to be oppressed it is not just about you know a divide of economic classes it is a divide of racial classes. It's a divide of economic classes. It's a divide of gender. It's a divide between disability and ability. So with that being said, you know, you're still asleep. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that because, you know, like people say, ignorance is bliss. But at the end of the day, you know, this episode is just to make people more aware of the subconscious beliefs that they do have of the opinions that they might share with other people just to show you that you're asleep you are not awake and I hope that with this message you reflect on your own biases about biases within your community um, with people around you that you may share and really just you know take the time to wake up, you know, maybe you do need to go through that state of being stuck in a mental loop of questioning every aspect of your life to really disconnect yourself from the white man's reality, from capitalist reality, um, from the reality that is created by privileged people. Um, like, but yeah, Mari, go next. Yeah, I just want to add on if we don't want to recognize how race and classism go hand in hand and we don't want to recognize the oppression um, built into the system for people of color, specifically black and brown kids. And if we're ignoring that, then we're not actually addressing the issue. You know what I'm saying? We're not actually divide. We're not dividing one another. Um, I mean, we are dividing one another even further. So if we don't want to recognize that issue, then we're not recognizing um, the solution because the first thing to solving this issue is to recognize the root and the root cause which is um, racism and, and that runs deep in our workplaces, in our communities, in our school in our education system it runs deep into every institution and I think that the first step by unlearning is recognizing that um, and yeah that's just basically my two cents but I know Alicia had a lot to say so go yeah, I just wanted to say, like, reiterating what I said um, about it being just a class war. I think in order to, like, address classism, you have to address racism because it's nearly impossible. Um, 
a book that really articulates that well we've like mentioned it before color of law in the 30s there were landlords that would literally charge black people at a higher rate to own houses and so that's why i say you can't just say that this is simply just a class war you need to address the race aspect of it too especially with stereotypes thrown on black people about their stance in the class system we live in a class system but not only do we live in that we live in a in a system that also views race that same way like there's no like addressing the class war not addressing racism there's no addressing like anything without addressing all oppression because then it's like what will that do for any liberation and also i just want to add because um i know that jonathan just put um something in the chat and you're right sometimes they do use racism to weaponize and manipulate the situation but the only reason why that works is just like um my peers have said it's because people don't want to recognize how classism and racism go hand in hand if we want solidarity is a good thing and we're going to need that moving forward and we're always going to need it but if our work isn't intersectional and we're not making sure that before we get liberation for all people we're making sure that the playing field is even for everyone before we can start taking the bigger steps moving forward it won't work and it's you can Mm -hmm. see it in history where it's always trying to make it be swept under the rug where oh let's just stop talking about this and let's focus on the bigger picture or the larger issue but if we don't focus on what's holding us back now no matter how much we put it to the side, no matter how much we try to ignore it, we're going to have to deal with it again moving forward to get over that obstacle or that hurdle. So we have to recognize how classism and racism go hand in hand. And I know you're not trying to be um like argumentative or trying to disagree, but in order for us to really get what we want, we have to take care of those who have suffered by the system for decades, for hundreds of years. Like, we have to do that. And by doing and that... Um, but yeah, like, in other words, what she's saying is that to be liberated means to be conscious. And to be conscious means to break away from the privileged reality that you so blindly live in and i'm not attacking you personally um we're not attacking you personally um but we're just trying to bring an awareness to how you know mentally blind you are to these things and maybe you know racism doesn't affect you or you believe that it doesn't affect you um because honestly i don't know you personally i don't know what your race is i don't know what you experience but regardless of whether you're black or white um you are you are not disconnected from the reality or the illusion of reality that we are taught as children that we are taught as citizens of america um but yeah i hope that you do start to recognize this but with that being said to my guest speakers how did you start to unlearn these um racial biases how did you guys start to unlearn um and break away from these capitalist ide- ideologies um yeah yeah so um the thing that really kind of sparked it well i i always came from a family that was um 
you know, always talking about politics, always talking about things going on in not only our country, but things back home. Um, but I really, I really started to delve deep into it when I saw the effects of capitalism and the school to prison pipeline and racism and prejudice and misogyny and sexism and Islamophobia and all that play out right before my eyes. Seeing my friends, family, people dear to me, you know, how they took those roots and unfortunately became quote unquote statistics or victims to the game or, you know, victims to the trap that was set in place for them. And I was always asking questions. I was really upset about why is this happening to to people who look like me? Why is this happening to people in my community? Um, and not only that, um, I began to see the the geographical uh, differences when I would leave my town and go to different towns and I would make that comparison just seeing the sidewalks or seeing the buildings or seeing the the bathrooms or going to different schools and seeing the system and seeing how people look there versus how they look back in my place and how it's different and I and I think those observations led to more questions and curiosity and so once I started you know trying to look out for these answers they came to me and you know when I when I you know further did my research and started to read I began to unlearn all of the falsehoods that I was I was taught because we're taught that we can go to school get a great education work hard and then we're going to be rich and millionaires but it's like why is that the end goal you know the end goal should not just to be leave our people and then get rich and then just be greedy about it I think the end goal should be happy being happy putting our people on and bringing them with us and um when people talk about working hard working hard is many means different things for people in different circumstances for people with different skin colors and for people with different backgrounds and I think that that consideration does not is not taken um seriously when when it comes to oh you didn't work hard enough but I have more barriers in place for me than other people do. You know, when people are talking about playing the same game, how are we going to play the same game when we're reading different rules? It doesn't make sense. And so I think that in order to acknowledge um, the falsehoods that we were taught, we really need to stem back to the root issue and ask those questions and seek that information, obviously, from reliable sources. Um, and, And not only that, do our own thinking and contemplate on your own. Don't just, you know, listen to whatever whatever other people say and repeat that verbatim. I think that we need to, you know, dig deep within ourselves and really and really begin to question the things around us and the things that were put in place from the food we eat to the clothes we wear to the education we have to the um, resources available available to us and the opportunities that are given to us. Um, and, and it's just these differences and similarities need to be compared and contrasted in order for us to have a deeper and better understanding um, about our environment and about our government and about um, the, the oppressive system against us, built against us. And I think that that really is the first step. Revolution become, you know, begins with within. And in order for us to start, you know, quote unquote, quote unquote changing the world, we need to change ourselves and change our thought Um the highest and the 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 best weapon you can use against racism and and 
and oppression is is really knowledge and education because education is elevation once you educate yourself you can elevate yourself and you can use that to combat the things um put out against you um but yeah that's just that's just how i kind of began my journey and if i could just um address jonathan's comment it's not about having a black agenda and this is where the disconnect comes into play and this Mm -hmm. is where we see that you really aren't for the type of solidarity that you think if you can't if you can't acknowledge that you have to even the playing field for certain types of people you're not ready you're not really as woke as you think per se you're not really ready for this class war that you think you are we don't want equality we're past equality we need equity i need for us we're playing the same game by different rules like mari said it will never work we need to acknowledge that certain people have certain struggles that have been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years that just need to be addressed. And, um, okay, it's a website. I'm sorry about that. But just try to be more um, like clear on what you're saying because we don't want to take it the wrong way. But, um, yeah, like but- definitely check yourself a little bit before you like comment something. Because that could have just been taken the wrong way, but. um, Yeah, but even so, even if that is a website, I still agree with everything that you said. Um, the simple fact that everything that we're saying um, in the website, the quote unquote website, if it even exists, is called blackagenda.com. Um, that is a falsehood within itself, because at the end of the day, not all black people agree on the same things. Yes, all of us here are Black people and people of color. And of course, we do all have a common awareness of the world around us. And of course, all of us do share similar beliefs. At the end of the day, we all have to recognize the fact that not all Black people believe the same things that we believe. Not right. all skin folk are kin folk. Um, and so even in recognizing that, that is also disconnecting us from the illusion of the re- of the reality that is inflicted upon us as children. So... Yeah, even though that's not what you meant and maybe you're just trying to give us another resource to, you know, further our own convictions or whatever the case may be. Um, yeah, the website the title of the website in itself is just another illusion of reality. Um so yeah, Kenya, don't disregard everything that you said because you're still right. Um BIR promotes your ideas. I understand that. I understand that and I thank you for trying to give us another resource. Um, I thank you for coming and, you know, sharing your um, personal convictions and your beliefs. Um, it is very much appreciated. Everyone that joins um, in on these podcasts and these episodes are very much appreciated in my eyes. So, yeah, thank you um, so much for that. But does anyone else have anything that they want to say about unlearning um, these biases that we are taught as children? I could go next. Um, so personally, from my experience, like growing up, I wanted to be the capitalist, like I wanted to be rich. And I say this because like, from my background, like I witnessed as a little girl, like my dad, my immigrant dad and my immigrant parents, like trying to work 40, 50 hours a week, you know, breaking their backs um, for these rich 
um elitist like european and like white americans and so like seeing that as a kid like could be really really hurtful and like for a long time i was like um indoctrinated by the idea thinking oh like you know school is gonna liberate me like school is gonna get me out of here i'm gonna like make so much money i'm gonna like pursue the american dream like you know i'm gonna um end the cycle of poverty but it's like in reality it's not just about you it's not in an individualistic problem it's greater than that and like realizing that it okay if i make it out the hood quote unquote um there's still gonna be other people just like me and i feel like when you're becoming um when you claim to be an activist or like um claim to you know want to liberate people you have to have um empathy like you have to really put yourself in that position and realize like and know your morals and know your values and have your ethics because if you don't you're gonna get like um swallowed by the same oppressive agenda um and like you know it's a lot it's a lot when you realize that you know these were kept in poverty so we learn to hate other poor people we're kept in poverty so we learn to like you know side eye them and like tell ourselves oh like this is why we have to work hard because we don't want to end up like that um and it's also like you know it ties in hand to hand with racism you know and yeah like that's just a little bit of my personal experience thank you thank you um you know personally with unlearning it really did stem back to the coronavirus but even before that i just started joining more organizations that were for liberation or that were for you know education educational purposes because you know personally um i am i do love to learn um at one point i did love going to school because you know the whole basis of school or it's supposed to be learning um it's supposed to be learning the truth and i feel like that's a really common um thing for black people knowing the truth knowing reality um and all of this kind of tied into this subconscious desire to be free um but if you ask me any of these questions january of 2020 I would look at you like you were crazy because I wouldn't know what you were talking about. It just really took me doing the research of my own, like Mari was saying, forming my own opinions, and then also finding out how to articulate these, you know, feelings into words. To that, And it was only then that I began to unlearn these things, that I began to really recognize the systems that were put in place, really recognize the mental shackles that were put on my mind as a citizen of America, as a Black American, to be more specific, as a Black female in America um, who is, you know, living in an inner city, who experiences poverty, who it, who has, you know, been in a lower income school district, everything, all the things of that nature. Um, I see that more people are joining. Thank you guys for joining so much. Um, but yeah, any last sentiments um, from you guys, from the guest speakers, or even from people who are just listening in, you guys can just put it in the chat. Um. Uh, I'm just going to add um, what really started like the process for me is reading this one statement, Black liberation is liberation for all. And I started to think about it critically. And I realized that like when I first started, I started with what I could relate with black struggles and doing work in that. But when I started looking at black revolutionaries and what they did, they really centered solidarity. 
and mm. recognizing that there are others before you who have been struggling not to say that they've been struggling longer or that oh you should give respect to them because they've been struggling longer than you but some of the same issues that you have other people have as well mm. so you should work closely with them instead of you know trying to i guess exclude them right it's so not that's when i decided right. to like tap into other minorities and other you know groups into what they might be dealing with and how i personally could help them and help their causes and then i started to realize that it's really all a collective like we all have to come together Period. but in hindsight of that don't ever lose sight that we all have different issues and what i go through you don't necessarily go through as well once we recognize that we have differences but also similarities that's when the real work starts so that's what got me really right and i think it's important to like emphasize that it's good to uh acknowledge um the similarities between our oppression and you know but we should never put it onto an oppression race or an oppression olympics or who's oppressed the most or it's that's literally what divides us and um and 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 um kind of holds us back when it comes to liberation for all because when we have that um when we have that um hostility for other communities in in the oppressed community as a whole of all marginalized communities when we have that kind of agenda just for my community oh i want our people to succeed before anyone else that is literally what is holding exactly i couldn't agree more so really the purpose of this episode was really to question exactly what a disconnect from reality is um to really question the truthfulness of the privileged reality to question you know whether we are disconnected from the real world or if we are just disconnecting ourselves from you know, the illusion of the world that we were presented. Um, so with that being said, I hope that everyone who listened to this episode really did their own self-reflections. Um, they reflected back on the world. Of course, these same, you know, topics of capitalism, classism, racism are always going to be prominent in every episode of this podcast because all of these things are connected. It's all connected. We are all connected. And therefore, it's all a collective and conscious effort. That is the end of this episode. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did. If you didn't join us on Green Room and you want to be a part of the conversation, please do not hesitate to tap in next time. Follow me on Green Room by searching my name, A-M-I-N-A space C-U-A-S-C-U-T. Also, click the little notification bell on my profile to be notified when I do create a room. I'll be live on Green Room every Wednesday and Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, unless I tell you otherwise. Speaking of which, we won't be going on there this Saturday, which is the 7th, um, but we will be back next Wednesday. Um, aside from that, though, I'll be posting every Thursday and Sunday, so stay tuned for more. Follow the Instagram at Mina's underscore Mike for stream updates, sneak peeks, audience feedback, all the above. Don't forget to tell your mama, your grandmama, your cat, your dog to stream Mina's Mike on Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. If you stay to the very end, you will roll one. Peace and love. Bye, y'all.